this morning, uh, we are going to take a look at a passage from Colossians chapter 3 for our Thanksgiving meditation, and you can find that on page number 1,834 of the Pew Bibles, and we're going to, it should be actually Colossians 3, 12 through 17, Um, so we'll look at 12 through 17. Again, that's Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach And admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'd like to begin by posing a question, and this question has two parts. And I'd like, I'm going to give some time to just sort of think about this for a second. Um, Here's the first part. Should gratitude and thankfulness be something that spontaneously comes out of our hearts? Should gratitude and thankfulness be something that spontaneously comes out of our hearts? Or, is gratitude and thankfulness something that we have to cultivate, like a garden that you have to water and weed and prune? Is it something we have to consider and then prompt our hearts toward, whether we feel it or not? So to illustrate this, let me give you an example. Imagine it's Christmas Day. There's a young boy opening up his present. He peels back the paper just far enough that he can finally recognize what it is that's been under this tree for three weeks that he's been looking at and wondering about, and he realizes it's the video game system that he wanted so desperately. And so he leaps into the air with joy and celebration, runs to his mom and dad, says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Right? And that Example, gratitude and thankfulness just spontaneously came out of this young boy's heart. Now imagine, imagine that uh, he opens the package and he recognizes it's new socks. (laughs) 
He's been looking at this package for several weeks and been comparing its size and its shape and its feel to his Christmas list that he meticulously went over with his parents several times so they knew exactly what would be on that list. And now he finds that it's just socks. Granted, this boy needs socks. All of his socks are either lost or they have holes in them. He should be incredibly grateful that his parents knew that he needed socks and purchased socks for him. But he's not. So both are true, right? Sometimes thankfulness does spring out of our hearts and other times we have to stop and consider what is true and then prompt our hearts to be thankful whether we feel it or not. So in our passage today, the Apostle Paul is helping the Colossians to stop and consider what they have to be thankful for. And at the same time, he's prompting them to give themselves to being thankful for all that God has done for them. And the things that Paul speaks about here are true. And we can be thankful for them no matter how we feel or no matter what our circumstances are in the present moment. And we can give ourselves to a life of gratitude simply because these things are true. So before Paul says anything about being thankful, the first thing he does is he reminds the Colossians in verse 12 that they are chosen and dearly loved. How often do we consider the fact of our knowledge of God, our belief in Him, our love for Him, our ability to trust Him, His presence with us in the good times and the bad times? How often do we stop and consider what a precious and gracious gift that is from Him? He has chosen us. He could have let us go. He could have never moved in our hearts and our lives. He, he could have let us drift into eternity without his forgiveness and his mercy and his love. He could have let us become the kind of person that we would have become if our sinful nature was allowed to just rule our hearts. But he didn't do that. He chose us. And he dearly loves us. And he has known us since before he created the world. And it was his plan all along to rescue you from your sin and from your failure. And then unite you into a relationship with his son He's always planned on spending eternity with you and opening your eyes so that you could see the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. Think about how much you love your friends and your family. Think about the ache that you have inside to see them and to spend time with them and to talk to them and to hear all about what's going on in their life. 
Think about that feeling of love and affection that wells up sometimes inside you. I always tell my kids how much I love them, and I hug them, and sometimes I feel like words can't express how much I love them, and so I tell them that I want to eat them. (laughs) And that's because words and hugs sometimes just aren't enough to tell them how much I love them. When I say I love you to my wife, sometimes there's just not enough things to grab hold of to get those words up to enough speed so when they hit her, they actually hit her with the force that they should have. And if that's how much we love other humans, even though we're sinners and they're sinners, how much does a perfectly holy God love His children? He's known us for all eternity and how awesome it must be for him that we, as objects of his eternal love, can receive his love in Christ. Whether we feel like God's chosen people or not, whether we experience the reality of him dearly loving us or not, that's not actually an essential part of the equation. Because if we have put our trust in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, then God's choice of us and his love of us is true no matter how we feel or no matter what our circumstances. Jesus forgives us. God chooses us. And his love is dear for us. I think sometimes in our culture we've um, confused what authenticity really is. We've said that to be authentic means that what I feel inside corresponds to what I think and how I act. But that, that's not authenticity. True authenticity is what I feel and what I act corresponding to what's true about me. And who gets to say what's true about me? Do I get to say what's true about me? Or does God get to say what's true about me? You see, friends, when God says what's true about us, and then we think and act in alignment with that, that is being authentic. True authenticity is living and acting and thinking in harmony with what God says is true about me, not with what I feel inside. My feelings are a mess. They're all over the place. And so Paul is gearing up the Colossians to tell them and us how to live and what to feel. And he's doing so on this solid bedrock of God's affection for us and his choice of us based on nothing about us, simply based on the fact that he love us, loves us and shows us. Because in his free choice to love and choose whoever he wants, for some reason he decided to love and choose you. And so based on that reality, Paul says to clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You see, if we could keep the reality of God's love for us and gracious choice of us at the center of our life, 
How could we not be compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient? If the God of the universe who created all things and who is holding all things together by the word of his power, if if that God who's perfectly holy and righteous and just and who always does the right thing, if that God loves you and chose you, how would we possibly be frustrated or prideful about anything? Think about the reality of our sinful hearts full of lust and anger and selfishness and this perfectly holy and awesome and powerful God comes and loves us and chooses us in spite of all that sin. How could we possibly be prideful? How could we not be compassionate towards other sinners just like us? And so Paul says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How easy is it to hold a grudge? How easy is it to get offended and angry at people who let us down? Because we're all just like that little kid who wanted a video game but got socks. It's so easy for us to focus on what we want and what we feel like we deserve and to lose sight of the simple and profound reality that God has chosen us and that he dearly loves us and that there's no reason that he should, but but he just does. And so Paul says, don't hold a grudge. Don't get offended and angry. Forgive, let it go. Think about the depth of your sin and how God chose you and loved you and forgave you. And he goes on to say, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And love is not primarily a feeling either. Love in Scripture is a resolve to always act in a way that benefits the one we love. That's how it's possible to obey the command to love our enemies. No one feels love for an enemy, but we can resolve to always act in a way that benefits them. Because we were once God's enemies. But God resolved to act in a way that benefits us all the way to the cross. And because our hearts are so easily focused on what we desire and prefer, we actually have to put on love, right? We don't wake up with love on it's not natural. We, we've got to put it on. We take hold of our sinful, selfish hearts. We remember that God shows us and loves us. And then we resolve to act in a way that benefits those we are called to love. We gather our will. And then we love. Because love binds all these virtues together, right? Love makes kindness and compassion and humility real. And we can only love on the basis of God's love for us and the fact that he chose us, right? We love because he first loved us. Now in our final three verses this morning, we'll look at them briefly. Listen to how often Paul returns to the theme of gratitude and thankfulness. In verse 15, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Notice Paul commands them to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. He doesn't command them to go find the peace and put it in their hearts. 
If we have faith in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of our sins, then we've been chosen by God. We can know that we're dearly loved by Him, and that means we can know that the peace of Christ is within us. And Paul is saying, let that dwell within you. This is the peace with God that comes from knowing we're no longer His enemies. This is the reality and the source of peace within us and our own internal sense of peace. It's also the source and the reality of peace between one another. Because as chosen and loved children of God, we're called to peace. So be thankful. (laughs) Stop and consider all of these wonderful truths and be thankful. Maybe we didn't get the video game system we wanted. But these socks will keep our soul warm for eternity. And Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. See, now Paul tells them to let this message of God's love and choice of them dwell among them richly. How? By teaching and admonishing one another. Right? We teach each other about these things. We admonish one another if we stray from these things. And the way that we do that, Paul says, is through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. How do we teach and admonish one another? We sing to one another. We sing to one another. This is why, friends, we cannot go to church online. We cannot sing to one another through the screen. What a blessing it is to have it, but it is not going to church. Because here is where we sing to one another and admonish one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We need songs filled with pure, concentrated truth from Scripture so that these songs dwell among us richly as we sing to one another aloud in the midst of the congregation. And as we sing, we're teaching each other and admonishing one another with wisdom. And at the exact same time, we're singing praises with gratitude to God. Finally, Paul says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, as Christians, we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We're we're trophies of His grace, which means our lives reflect what being chosen and dearly loved accomplishes in the heart of a sinner. Because we are new creations in Christ. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we've been redeemed and purchased out of slavery by the precious blood of Jesus. And we are now those whom God has formed and shaped by the death of His Son, by the power of His Spirit, and through His Word, for good works which He has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. That's what we are. Chosen, dearly loved children, who have been redeemed. So whatever we do, whether it's an action or a spoken word, we must do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And for some of us this morning, these realities, hearing them spoken over us again, have caused our hearts to soar, right? Thankfulness and love for God 
And his peace and grace has emerged out of our hearts spontaneously. And yet for others of us this morning, that has not been the case. And my prayer is that at the very least, we've been reminded that God dearly loves us. Even if the only evidence for that we can cling to is that we know on some level, in spite of our doubts, that Jesus lived and died and rose again for sinners just like me. And maybe we've been moved to prompt our hearts towards gratitude and thankfulness. Let's pray. Father, may we be astounded again by the fact that through faith we have become dearly loved children and that you have chosen us And that from before the foundation of the world, God, you knew us and you planned for us to be united to your Son by faith and to be a part of your kingdom. What a glorious reality. May we be moved to gratitude and thankfulness by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 